What's up, everybody, and welcome to In and Out of Frame. Dance party, dance party, we're gonna start a dance party, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> I hope everyone's having a good week. Um, that Elena interview just blew everybody out of the water. Yes, it's it was so much fun talking to her. So I completely agree with all of you. So thank you for letting me know that. <laughs> so today we're going to get kind of crazy and have some fun. There's a lot of little things that pop up during the conversation of our subject today. So today our subject is going to be a part of the, in the realm of talking about, you know, like a dance place. But then we're also going to start talking about the start of a genre of dance and music. So like I said, there's just going to be a lot of things that are going to be popping up. And a lot of things it's like to compare to and remember. And you're going to be like, man, I remember that. (laughs) I feel old now. (laughs) And that's how I felt. Because especially a lot of this starting in the 80s and I was a 90s baby. And once the early 2000s hit and I was, you know, eighth grade and going into high school, you know, we all felt cool (laughs) trying to party it up and think about going to clubs when we're older and listening to a certain type of music. So I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. So we're just going to jump right into it. So today we're going to talk about the history of house music, which is just straight up dance music and it continues into being what is called now as EDM. But like there's so many different avenues that come up with this type of music. Like there's festivals, there's different types of dances, um, especially with TikTok now being such a huge platform. People are learning dances. They're learning how to um, like dance really fast and kick their feet and like they're like being instructors on TikTok, teaching you how to do these movements to this type of music. But we're not going to get into all that, but we are going to touch on three certain things and specifically people out of Chicago, Illinois. And lately, especially these few episodes, you know, I've been kind of favoring Chicago just because that's my hometown. <laughs> so I could recognize a lot of the things we're talking about. But I have brought up other areas too, like places in London and um, California, obviously. There's a lot of history. I know I brought up New York at one point. But today, we're going to start in Chicago. (laughs) So let's get going. So house music broke onto the dance scene in the early 80s in Chicago. It's a variant of the disco music that was popular in the clubs at the time. So when you think about disco too, so disco got a lot of backlash in Chicago in the 70s because people thought they they thought it was cheesy. They were rockers. They didn't want disco. There was the whole, um, you know, burning of the disco at Soldier's Field. And it was all started by a certain DJ that was you know, talking on one of the radio stations in downtown Chicago, and then everyone just had a bad taste for disco. But pioneers like Frankie Knuckles built upon the rhythmic 
DJ-centered music of disco, but used the drum machines and 4-4 time to create a unique electronic sound with deep bass lines that immediately gains popularity. And especially with Chicago and New York, which we'll bring up again also, especially among the LGBTQ communities. And then Chicago has a huge LGBTQ community. Um, it's called Boys Town. So raves, much like the DIY punk scenes, <laughs> were illegal. And they were underground gatherings and warehouses and other locations. And we'll bring it up again later because I'm going to talk about a certain movie. But especially in Chicago and New York, being two huge dance scene areas, they would. They would just throw out flyers and see, see kids with a certain artistic look that looked like a certain quote-unquote club kid. And they would have these secret underground in the back of trucks, and like semi-trucks, and in coffee shops, and in random like delis. They would just throw on these parties like out of nowhere and have full music, you know, bubble machines and just like craziness. But it was all secret because it was so illegal. They didn't want all these like kids that were quote unquote, you know, druggies because that was big back then also. But yeah, it, it just it had a bad taste. But then the music was pioneered by this awesome guy named Frankie Knuckles. So let's learn a little bit more about Frankie Knuckles. So Frankie was born in the Bronx and Knuckles and his friend Larry Levon began frequenting discos as teenagers during the 70s. So while studying textile design, Knuckles and Levon began working as DJs playing soul, disco, and R&B at two of the most popular important early discos, the Continental Baths and the Gallery. And the Gallery, I believe, is still around, which is cool. In the late 70s, Knuckles moved from New York City to Chicago, where his old friend Robert was opening what became the nightclub called Warehouse. When the club opened in Chicago in 1977, he was invited to play on a regular basis, which enabled him to hone his skills and style. <laughs> this style was a mixture of disco classics, unusual indie label soul, and the occasional rock track with European synth disco and all manner of rarities, which would all eventually codify as house music. The style of music now known as house was named after a shortened version of the warehouse. So see, it, it all originated from this club in Chicago because this amazing mixer, Knuckles, he just pioneered, like he took all these little tidbits of music that he loved and having it as a hobby while he was, you know, working, doing textiles, it's, he went for it and he did it. And now he created what is known as house music. <laughs> so Knuckles was so popular that the warehouse, initially a members only club for largely LGBTQ men, began attracting straighter and at that time, whiter crowds leading its owner, Robert, to askew membership. So they had a certain genre and group of people that would like to frequent. And once it started to become more, you know, mixed, at that time it got a little scary because not everyone got along and, you know, tensions grew high. They wanted to make sure that they were able to 
keep this mixed crowd without tension. But then the owner of the warehouse that wasn't Frankie Knuckles, he was like, nope, I'm scared. I'm backing out. We're closing. So Knuckles continued DJing until November 1982. But then he jumped out and he started his own club in Chicago called the Power Plant. So good for him. He noticed that things were changing. And as music was taking people somewhere and bringing people together, regardless of who they were, and he opened his own plant. But that was in 1982. Unfortunately, the Power Plant Club closed in 1987. So it wasn't open that long. (laughs) But Knuckles moved to the UK for four months and DJed at Delirium, a Thursday night party at Heaven Nightclub in London. By the 1990s, house music had spread internationally and was one of the most popular genres in the UK and Europe, especially among young people. Raves gained the attention of local authorities and police often shut down these gatherings due to illegal use of warehouses and industrial locations as venues and the rampant drug use by the attendees. So honestly, like to me, it house music got a really bad rep in the beginning. You know, it was started off Frankie Knuckles, this type of music. And the club he was working at was called The Warehouse. So people just got it in their minds like, man, we need this big, huge place and we need to just go ransack this abandoned area and make it our club. When really Frankie Knuckles just had a job and he was doing what he was supposed to do. (laughs) So I wonder how he feels about all this. So house music's departure from lyric-centered, message-pushing pop music centered somewhat of a moral panic as mainstream society couldn't understand this new wave of music and its fans. As house music developed, its popularity spread into the mainstream and eventually fused with the legal entertainment industry, meaning bars, clubs, and festivals, now centered to house music fans in Europe and later in the U.S. So you could... could look around and there's so many huge festivals huge festivals i know one that comes around the midwest is electric forest and they just it's huge it's like miles and it's beautiful and they have all these lights up and it's so interactive but it is it's all centered to this type of music and this uh society and mix of people and it's just, you know, it's like going to Woodstock. It, that was that type of people, the type of music that they liked. And y'all just got to enjoy each other's company. And that is what house music did. It brought together these groups of people who love this type of music. And like I said, especially with TikTok, there's like certain way to dance. And it, there's so many different avenues that go with it, too which is really, really cool. (laughs) But we're going to talk right now about the stereotypical club kid. (laughs) So a club kid, there's so many different ideas you can take as what a club kid is. But to me, it was neon colors, furry leg warmers, you know, super short skirts, net tights, net hand gloves, like neon up to your elbows, um, definitely candy necklaces, and 
pacifiers, like baby pacifiers. To me, that's the style of like a club kid. Or, you know, there's so many different avenues of that too, style-wise. Like you could be a gothy club kid. You could be like an electronic cup club kid. You could be um, one that has like a real like alien look. And I've even seen, oh, what's the name of it? Dun, dun, dun. My mind is thinking. Oh my goodness. What? A, oh, a steampunk. I've even seen steampunk club kids, which to me was crazy, but that's when I was out in California. So maybe they're doing something we don't know. <laughs> but the idea of a club kid and the style that comes out of that did start at one point in the 1980s in New York with a certain group of people that you might recognize. So let's talk about them. So the club kids were a group of young New York City dance club personalities first established by Michael Aleg, James St. James, Julie Jules, DJ Koiki, and Ernie Glam in the late 1980s. And throughout the 1990s would grow to include a whole bunch of other dancers. <laughs> There's like 10 other names. If those sound familiar to you, they should. <laughs> there was a movie made called Party Monster with Seth Green and Macaulay Culkin. I can't say words today. I'm sorry, guys. And it revolved around the story of the start of Club Kids, which really centered on just Michael Aleg and James St. James. Awesome movie. Crazy stuff happens. But they had a certain style, so let's learn more about that. The group was notable for its members' flamboyant behavior and outrageous costumes. In 1988, writer Michael Musto wrote about the club kids' cult of crazy fashion and petulance. They are terminally superficial, have dubious aesthetic values, and are master manipulators, exploiters, and thank God, partiers. <laughs> Which is very, very true. The group was also recognized as an artistic and fashion-conscious youth culture. They were a definitive force in New York City's underground club culture at the time. Several club kids have made long-lasting contributions to mainstream art and fashion. According to former club kid Walt Cassidy, the nightclub for me was like a laboratory, a place where you were encouraged and rewarded for experimentation. However, Aleg was played by heavy drug use. He began adding drug dealers to the club kids' roster, and Peter Gayton's payroll and increasing number of club kids became addicted to drugs. So that's another way that that just turned wrong, and that was out in New York. So Chicago and New York had their two different club scenes, but they both really went the wrong route. <laughs> The movement began to decline when Rudolph Giuliani was elected mayor of New York in 1994, targeting the city's nightlife industry with his Quality of Life campaign. It eventually collapsed after Alig was arrested for killing and dismembering of his roommate and fellow club kid Andre Angel Melendez, and Peter Gayton was charged with tax evasion and deported back to Canada. And that's all talked about in the movie Party Monster with Seth Green and Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> so the New York club kids really ran into some bad stuff. There was a murder. 
and everything. <laughs> very, very bad. So that was the 80s and 90s with the start of just that genre of club kid. And I bet, you know, with the house music starting in Chicago and the type of performance and dance coming out of that, and then just the genre of music kind of making its way over to New York, but then you have these very flamboyant personalities just taking over with their artistic like outfits and craziness but drug use just kind of ruined it but it didn't ruin house music we're continuing our history so let's keep going around 2010 the term edm which is electronic dance music <laughs> came to encompass the now plentiful subgenres of dance music that evolved from house music including trance big room future house dubstep progressive house and many many others so like i said there were so many different avenues that came out of just what house music started as quote-unquote raving now applies to attending massive international festivals like tomorrowland which in 2017 attracted over 400,000 fans over two weekends and paid millions of dollars for world famous dj headliners so that's just Tomorrowland. That's another huge festival I know of Electric Forest, but those are just ones um, in the U.S. that I know of. But heck, like there, like there's international ones like Tomorrowland um, and many, many more. I haven't been to one, so it's hard for me to speak about the experience. <laughs> but if you have been to any of these festivals, please write in at in and out of frame podcast at gmail or drop me a dm and let me know how your experience was at one of these festivals because i love listening to the history of how the music started and how it became such a huge society and group of people and i just want to know the experience so please let me know so truly edm has come a long way from its humble beginnings to now being recognized by the international nightlife industry as an extremely lucrative and profitable business opportunity. Due to this increasing profitability, the production quality of EDM events has risen along with attendance of these events. Due to the high energy nature of the music, visual effects at live EDM events are almost as important as the music itself. Yes. Lights, lasers, projections, fireworks, flames, live performers, and compressed air are all utilized regularly to enhance the event experience. In all, a high-end EDM event is an overwhelming and exhilarating audiovisual experience. And like I said, I cannot speak from my experience as if I went to a festival, because I never have, but I have watched YouTube videos of certain DJs that I enjoy and I can I can only imagine being there and just seeing it through the video all these lights and like they said live performers on the side I know in one of the interviews we already premiered with Sally Marvel she was talking about being hired for events such as this and just having someone like on the side like Sally sword swallowing like Whoa, that would be so cool. But one thing I can talk about experience-wise, and this will end our episode also, 
is a place out in Illinois in a suburb that you are able to go to as a youngin. I don't want to say underage, but you could be under 21. But it is called Zero Gravity. (laughs) So if anyone remembers it and you are from around the Chicago area, please tell me your stories about Zero Gravity because it was just a mess in there. (laughs) But that to me, that was my first club experience. And it was really something. They would have like bubble nights. You would really get dressed up and kids nowadays, like I said, when you look at everyone on TikTok and they're dancing, 17-year-olds and 18-year-olds nowadays do not look how we looked 15 years ago. We look completely different. (laughs) So I can only imagine the style that we tried to pull off. It was horrible. But anyway, I'll recite the websites I took these from, but I did find a little bit of an excerpt about the Club Zero Gravity. Now I'm going to read this and then I'll let you know my sites. But please listen to this. It's very funny. So Zero Gravity. When we first got word that Zero Gravity, Chicagoland's sophisticated young adult dance club of choice, okay, was passing on, quite frankly, I was shocked. Shocked not because it was passing on, but, well, shocked that it was actually still alive at this time. I agree. In its 21 years on Earth, zero gravity managed to touch all of us in various ways, much like the creepy older men that somehow managed to sneak into the club every weekend. Yes, it was horrible. Whether you were someone who visited often in your best Italia wife beater, along with your girlfriend, who dressed to impress in her best Victoria's Secret corset, furry boots, and body glitter. Yes, there was so much body glitter. Or whether you avoided the club after hearing that rumor about the infected hypodermic needle, which was most likely made up by a suburban mom to deter her kids from visiting. One thing is clear. Each and every one of us suburbanite kids was impacted by the existence of zero gravity. And I cannot say that any better. We were all impacted by zero gravity. Me, I was in high school in 2005. So I think I went to zero gravity my first time in 2007. Oh, it was a hot mess. Hot mess. But then now, maybe I shouldn't say. I don't want to triangulate where I live. But to me, it was an all-day trip to even come and see where zero gravity was. Even when I went here the like two times, it was a hu- it was a long trip to even drive here. Now, I live in an area I'm like 10 minutes away. <laughs> it feels like 10 minutes. And I'm like, "Oh my goodness, this place, but it's not open anymore." But anyway, if you have stories and you're in the Chicagoland area about zero gravity, I would love to read those. That would make me so happy. (laughs) Or if you have any stories about a really, like, nasty hot mess club in your area, I don't want to put down the club, but I want to hear about your crazy experience. So please send those and also DM me on Instagram, 
send me a message on Facebook, In and Out of Frame Podcast, or send the email, In and Out of Frame Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to read those. It would make me so happy. It would be such a funny episode. But anywho, thank you guys for enjoying this silly little episode today. We learned a little bit of information. If you want to do more of a deep dive into the world of house music and EDM, please do that. I also was, I did a little deep dive on my own about the goth scene that kind of stemmed from this too. So that was really interesting. Some of the Websites that I used were obviously Wikipedia. I did it for Frankie Knuckles and House Music. And then I used a little bit of Thrillist.com for Chicago Zero Gravity History. And then I looked up another website about the subcultures and scenes of EDM music. And that's on something called Grinnell.edu. But thank you guys for listening today. Please visit me on Facebook and Instagram. I still have my Patreon up with some super cool stuff. We have our coffee and jam segment and we have our framer size segment with a little bit of dance technique. And I still have to watch American in Paris. I'm going to do that in the next couple days. And then that Patreon video would be up where I am talking about the different the different um, movements in American imperance during the uh, imperance. Oh, I'm thinking about getting in trouble for going to zero gravity. <laughs> American imperance dance segments. <laughs> See, I'm taunted by zero gravity. It ruined my childhood. <laughs> but thank you guys so much. I can't wait to see you next week and ha- enjoy the sunshine. Enjoy the cool air if you live in a not so hot area. I know the humidity up here in Chicago is the worst ever. So if you live somewhere cool, enjoy it and take a nice deep breath for me. (laughs) But next week we'll be back with a bio episode. So please send me your messages. If you would like to rate and review wherever you are listening on the podcast, I will be eternally grateful. And Bye, guys. Thank you so, so much. Go do dance party now. Boom, 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 boom. Bye.